Hello, I'm Oliver Culling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Welcome back. It's great to have you listening as we continue our reminiscences about what it was really like growing up in Britain during the 1970s and the role that TV played in our childhoods. Thanks again for all the positive comments and feedback. It seems like I've been stirring up some very happy memories for some listeners who enjoyed taking time out to remember those innocent days as young kids watching TV. Join in the conversation by posting to our blog, www.my70stvchildhood.com. Tweet me, at 70stvchildhood, or you can email me, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. I received an interesting question this week from a listener in North Yorkshire. She asked me what I was looking to do with the show. Was it a memoir of my childhood? a bit of social history looking at life in the UK in the 1970s, or was it a celebration of 1970s television? Well, the simple answer is yes, it's all of those. We hear a lot in the media about how great the 60s were, and if you can remember it, then you weren't there. But we hear less about the 70s, which was when I grew up. There is a great story to be told. Unfortunately, Lots of you seem to agree with me. Today's show considers why certain programmes remain so vivid in my generation's memories. And as a start point, I'd like to look at the Banana Splits, or the Banana Splits Adventure Hour, as it was known in the US. The show is fondly remembered by many of my contemporaries, although it originally ran in the US for only two seasons, between 1968 and its cancellation in 1970, so it only just qualifies as a 1970s programme. I think the reason it was so popular, and remains firmly in the memory, was because it was on again, and again, and again. I think that the BBC's children's TV budget was severely limited, so they bought reasonably cheap foreign imports, and made sure they got their full money's worth. So as a result... The banana splits were on during every school holiday, or so it seemed from memory, and many Saturday mornings, before the BBC actually reached into its pocket and started producing homegrown specialist programming, with shows like Multicoloured Swap Shop. Repeating the same programmes again and again seemed to be the BBC's main policy for children's TV scheduling during the school holidays and at weekends. Perhaps they thought we were all so bored by being at home that we'd watch anything. And you know, perhaps they may have been right. To add to the banana splits, we'd also watch endless repeats of The Adventures of Robinson Crusoe, which was in black and white and dubbed with a narrator's voiceover. White Horses, which was based on the adventures of a Lipizzaner horse farm in... Austria, was it? Or Spain? I can't quite remember but I'm sure one of you will be in touch and let me know which. We'd also see 
Hergé's Adventures of Tintin. Almost every holiday. And I really like that. The characterizations were endearing. Tintin, the cub reporter. The irascible Captain Haddock. Professor Calculus and the Thompson twins were all well developed in the plot. And of course, Snowy the dog, who was absolutely brilliant. However, we only ever got to see one story, The Crab with the Golden Claws, which, after the seventh viewing, rather lost its capacity to thrill and surprise. Even worse, at the end of The Crab with the Golden Claws, we were promised, Coming soon, Hergé's Adventures of Tintin, Red Rackham's Treasure, which looked like a really exciting story, but we never found out as, a bit like Groundhog Day, we found ourselves back at the start of The Crab with the Golden Claws. Presumably somebody, somewhere, got to see Red Rackham's Treasure, but sadly not anybody watching the BBC in the UK in the 1970s. However, I digress. Holiday viewing is worth an episode all to itself, so back to today's subject and the banana splits. For those who aren't old enough to remember, or for our many American listeners, who probably don't remember it as well as we do, given they had dozens of channels to choose from, let me see if I can provide a precy of the show. The programme was hosted by the banana splits, who were grown men dressed in psychedelia-influenced animal costumes. It's no surprise that the two brothers behind the designs, Sid and Marty Croft, were also responsible for the seriously strange HR Puffin stuff, which made me feel deeply uneasy as a child due to extreme weirdness, I suppose you'd call it. Back to the banana splits. The splits themselves were Flegel, a dog who wore a big bow tie, which I later learned was red, as we had a black and white TV, who seemed to be the leader of the group, and whose tongue was permanently sticking out of his mouth. Bingo, who I think was supposed to be a monkey, who wore rather cool tinted glasses. Then there was Drooper, who was a lion, with what I now know as a Southern American drawl. And Snorky, who was probably an elephant, who never said a word other than to honk at the other splits. Oh yes, and they all played musical instruments and managed to fit in a musical number. The show seemed to be an excuse to show various Hanna-Barbera cartoons, most notably The Three Musketeers and The Arabian Nights. There was also a live-action segment called Danger Island, which would be prefaced by an announcement. "Uh Uh-oh, Jungo, Danger Island next! And that's the part of it I remember best, to be honest. I think it dealt with an explorer, or an archaeologist or somebody like that, who got into scrapes on Danger Island with a group of pirates. And the Chungo, referenced in the announcement, was his assistant. You're listening to My 70s TV Childhood. Join the conversation. Visit our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com I am now joined by a listener, Stuart, from Wandsworth. Hello, Stuart. 
Hello, Oliver. Really nice to be, be talking to you. Well, thanks for listening and, and welcome to the show. Well, just, you know, we're talking about growing up in the 1970s. Where, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a, a small town or village between Sunderland and Newcastle called Cleedon. Yeah, my f- family were from that area. That's where my childhood was spent. And as we're discussing, your t- TV was a, was, a, was a big part of that. So what was, it, what was it like growing up in the 1970s? I would tend to say, and, and maybe most generations would say this, but it, it was a lot simpler when I was young. <laughs> um, in every way, you know, from from what we did, from what we did at school, the expectations we had of ourselves and things around us, it just seemed a lot simpler. But as I say, maybe most generations would 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 say that when they look back through through the rose tinted spectacles. Indeed. And what do you remember? You mentioned TV. What do you remember about watching TV at that time? It was it was a big part of our lives because. Other than going out riding on my bike with my friends, it was probably the main recreation that I had, even in the days of only three channels, as it was back then. And, and black and white TV is, is what, what I started on. Yeah, um, same with us. Yeah, didn't, didn't get a colour TV till 1973 when Sunderland were in the FA Cup final. <laughs> so my, my father upgraded the TV to colour from higher, um, Vision Hire, which later became Radio Rentals. Ah. We hired TV, as most people did back then. Happy, happy days. Indeed, yeah. We, we had to wait until the Silver Jubilee in 1977 for the excuse to upgrade to a colour TV. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. Indeed. Yeah. But it was well worth the wait, I can tell you. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the Banana Splits today. What do you remember about that show? I think, I think my memories of it are a lot more positive than what, maybe what reality has turned out to be. It was a big part of um, Saturday morning entertainment. It seemed to run for years. It was in the pre the pre swap shop days, if if your listeners remember swap shop being mm-hmm. the the first of the BBC's efforts at a at a TV program that filled the whole of the Saturday morning schedules. It was bef- before that. It was more of a a, a a series of a series of very disparate programs, and the banana split seemed to be a a near constant in that. It was probably the, one more anarchic things from my from my childhood, and and having recently. Given the game we were here, I haven't, haven't recently rewatched an episode as some some research for this talk. My memories are a bit more positive, as I say, than um, than what my most recent experience has been. But it was a, it was it, for the time, it was totally enjoyable. I must have watched it on colour TV because I remember it being very colourful and had a series of of of. It was like a compilation of other programmes wrapped into one. So it, it was it was. It, I guess they were trying to have something for everyone in there, um, but they packed a lot into into twenty eight minutes or however long each episode lasted. Yes. So, which of the uh, they had cartoons? Which cartoons do you did you like in it? The Three Musketeers one is the one that stands out as being the near constant in there. But the the Arabian Nights was a, a series of cartoons about a a band of what was probably like an early version of, of Avengers Assemble because <laughs> they were. They, they all seem to have their superpowers, uh, mainly around magic of different sorts, basically fighting against the evil sultan who had just taken over the, the local city, which I'm assuming was, 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 was Baghdad or something like that. But that, that, one, that one stands out because of this, the nature of the characters and how someone could solve every problem that, that they, they encountered via this various superpowers that they had. But there was that and, and the Three Musketeers were classic. I think Hanna-Barbera, 
cartoons which we seem to fill most of the most of each episode of the banana splits yes in- yeah i used to like the arabian nights particularly i can't remember which what the name of the character was the one who could change himself into anything and so at school we used to be going size of an elephant and then he clapped oh, his yes. hands together and turned into an elephant yeah kazim kazar i think was his um was was his main magic phrase or something something similar? That's right. But yeah, the, the elephant was I think was the, the size of the elephant quote. I think was the one that school kids would probably say would say would say for years to come. I think. Yes, indeed. But, indeed. but as for names, no idea. They just all merged into this this band of disparate superheroes, but based on some particularly poor animation. I think from, from what I've seen. <laughs> so you said um, you were a bit disappointed when you watched it again recently. Yeah. I, I, I used our you know, friendly online shopping that we do these days and, and bought the complete Series 1 DVD, which astonished, astonishingly is a six-DVD box set <laughs> with a total running time of 798 minutes. Um, God knows how they got that much material uh, out of the concept. <laughs> but, but anyway, I watched, that, I watched the first episode of my... 12-year-old son who's obviously been brought up in very different times and whilst I giggled at, at one or two um, the antics of the actual banana splits themselves I, I looked across at my son and his face of total indignation that this is what this is what we used to call entertainment on a morning uh, and I think he could appear to pick up his iPad um, to play Fortnite or whatever he's into at the moment but I'm going to get one or two giggles out of Drooper taking out the trash and, and finding various things in the bin, which, oh, which yes. um, but yeah, it, it, I think the best thing about it was actually the title sequence. It was, and they were like driving around on these like little moon buggies through a park and going up and down water slides and trying to walk up a walk up a slide in an amusement park. And that was the bit that he found funniest. It was in effect these guys in these quite psychedelic outfits, basically messing around, if I can put it put it politely. So yeah, when it comes to something when, when the best part of a program that I remember fondly is the title sequence. <laughs> but so, again, that's that's the different generations for you. It is. It is. So why do you think it was so popular? Well, well, well I guess there wasn't much else on. Um, you know, three channels, low budgets. This was obviously brought in from the brought in from the states. It was particularly psychedelic. It must have been inspired. The writing must have been inspired by let's um, say mind, mind altering substances. But it had a certain structure to it, believe it or not, of the different characters and the different roles they played. And having watched it, I, I then start to think about the TV programme, which I don't know whether it came before or after, but the thing that the monkeys, the band the monkeys did, where again, each of the people there, the four people in there, had their own roles to play. And it was anarchic and they had their own den that they lived in. And I'm, I'm thinking the banana splits was based on that. Or there was some linkage one way or the other, some sort of lineage between the I two. Think, I think I think you're probably yeah. right. I mean, the monkeys was before the banana splits from memory. Uh, was it? Okay. Um, I think it was from before. But yeah, there's certainly certainly similarities in the way that they, um, well, the way that the way they lived together, and the way they acted. I mean, yeah. um, I think I think I probably prefer the monkeys' music to the banana splits because they used to they used to play songs, didn't they? They had a band. They did. Well, the, the, the actual cover has got them has got them all you know on their respective. <laughs> Respective bands. Um, Fleet, you know, Flegel is on guitar. Drooper's on guitar. Uh, Snork is on keyboards, and the other one, who must be Bingo, the one with the big mouth, is is is, is looks like a mad drummer. So you know, typecast, typecast from the start. Bless him. 
I, I, I'm going to avoid watching episodes of The Monkeys because I've got fond memories of that as well. But I, I, don't, I don't want those to be shattered. So you think that may not have stood the test of time either? No, I think it, it might break. It might break break my memories of my childhood completely if I uh, if I dipped into that one. Oh well, thanks for that, Stuart. That's really that's really good to catch up about banana splits. It's something that's it's such a a memory for so many people of our generation, and it's great. And thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Yeah, and very very pleasure. And may we all just keep flipping like a pancake and popping like a cork. Absolutely. So now can I return to my 768 minutes that I have left? <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy that. Oh, I will. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stuart. And good luck with the remaining 700 and something minutes of the complete Banana Splits DVD collection. So what can we conclude about the Banana Splits? And why were they so popular? I think a lot of it is down to the BBC's policy of buying imported programmes and repeating them again and again and again over many years, and to the fact that really there wasn't much else for us to choose from for Saturday and school holiday viewing. As Stuart has told us, his 12-year-old son doesn't think much of the programme, but think what today's children have got to amuse them. Now, I don't want to sound too much like a miserable old so-and-so, but we didn't have much then, and what we did have, we treasured. And that's why programmes like the Banana Splits have such a hold on us and help bring back happy memories of simpler times in our lives. Thanks for listening and join us again soon on My 70s TV Childhood.